On today's episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, we'll break down a few firsts for the Aggies that have come in the last six days, including a historic home loss Wednesday night against Stephen F. Austin. I'll also break down why NMSU's upset loss is actually bad for the conference as a whole. And Clayton Henry will drop by for a quick interview ahead of his final home game as an Aggie. We've got a busy day, so let's get started. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. Aggie Nation, we're back in studio for another episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, and holy moly, do we have a lot to talk about. So in the last week, New Mexico State has had two chances to clinch a share of the WAC title and clinch the number one overall seed for the WAC tournament, and they failed twice. First, they lost to Chicago State. Yeah, the Chicago State team that had won a total of three conference games since 2018 hitting into Saturday's matchup in what I am absolutely calling the WAC upset of the year. But even after that, they still had a chance to clinch the number one overall seed in the WAC tournament by beating Stephen F. Austin at home Wednesday. And yeah, SFA is a really good team, but NMSU had literally never lost a home game against a whack opponent under Chris Jans. So they should definitely have been able to clinch the top seed and lock up a share of the conference title then, right? Wrong. NMSU was something like 30-something and 0 against whack opponents at the Pan Am under Jans, but now they're 30-something and 1. And there were a lot of firsts Wednesday night, too. Wednesday was the first time the Aggies had lost a home game against a conference opponent since Jans has been the head coach. The first time this season the Aggies have lost back-to-back games, and the first time this year they've blown a 10-point lead. I talked about it a little more and detailed some of the game in my story from Wednesday night, which you can check out on the Sun News website if you want to find out a little bit more. And the Aggies can actually still win a share of the WAC title and the top seed in the conference tournament by beating Utah Valley at home Saturday. But NMSU losing is actually bad for the WAC. And that's where I'm going to start today. So before Saturday's loss to Chicago State, most bracketology experts had NMSU winning the WAC tourney, getting the league's automatic bid to the NCAAs, and landing somewhere around a 13 or a 14 seed. I think Joe Lenardi had NMSU as a 14, and I think Mike DeCourcy had them as a 13 which means they probably would have ended up playing a school like UConn or Illinois or Texas or USC or someone kind of around that area, which is a team they can actually take or at least hang with to make things interesting and give themselves a chance of winning their first tournament game in 30 years. But with these last two losses, which in the eyes of WAC fans might not be all that bad because NMSU can still win the conference, they are bad in the eyes of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee because they just lost a road game against a quad four opponent and a home team against a quad two team. That undoubtedly hurts their seeding. The short-term goal and the Aggie short-term sights are set on getting the top seed in the WAC, but everyone knows the bigger picture here is getting back to March Madness and potentially winning a game. And that gets way harder the lower your seed is. So before the losses to Chicago State and SFA, I had the Aggies winning out, taking the WAC's top seed, and landing a 13 seed in the NCAA tournament. I know that's not great, and it's not even the best seed they've had under Chris Jans, but that would give them a chance in my opinion. I was talking with a few other sports reporters after the game, and we all agreed this season that there's a pretty significant drop-off between the expected two seeds and the expected three seeds. There is a huge difference between Kentucky, Purdue, and Wisconsin in Providence, and historically, stats back it up. 
So all time, a 14 seed has defeated a three seed in 19 of the 36 tournaments since the 64 team bracket was introduced. That's more than half of the tournaments. But 15 seeds are just nine and 135 against two seeds all time. And 13 seeds have 31 wins over four seeds. Now, correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. And what I mean by that is most 15 seeds just simply aren't teams with the talent to take a two seed. And two seeds are just that superior. But when you look at the bracket, if I'm a whack team, I would way rather face Providence than Kentucky. And this is where I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. SFA beating NMSU is actually bad for the WAC. Objectively, parity is good. It's fun to have a conference where you have a ton of teams that can beat everyone in the league. If you're a league like the Big 12 or the Big 10, where nobody in the country is debating that the top six teams are March Madness caliber good, that's when it's fun to have a league that cannibalizes itself Because when you've got Baylor and Kansas and Texas Tech and TCU starts winning and Texas is decent and Iowa State is making a push, no one is debating whether Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Texas are good. That's not a discussion people are actually having. Their resumes are all going to be fine come tournament time because of the nationally competitive schedule they have and the way that they've passed the eye test. They can bring down the top teams in the league a little bit in terms of just giving them losses that they wouldn't have in a lesser league. But there's still a consensus that some of these teams are top 10 teams, like Baylor and Kansas. For a lot of mid-major leagues, it does not work that way. A league comprised of smaller schools like the WAC does not have the luxury of getting two teams into the NCAA tournament, at least not this year. The only extremely slim chance the WAC had of being a two-bid league was early on when NMSU and Grand Canyon, who both have the best metrics, were both looking to go 17-1 and in whack play, with their only losses coming to each other. That would have given them an extremely slim outside chance, but that chance flew out the window in like the second week of conference play. New Mexico State and GCU are the only two whack schools in the net top 100 and the Ken Palm top 100, and those metrics matter to the selection committee even though obviously GCU is not a top two team in the WAC. Let's be honest here. The WAC doesn't get a ton of national love, and there really aren't very many teams that have good tournament-level resume wins that are at least good enough to boost you into an at-large bid without absolutely running the table in the WAC or finishing with no more than one loss. So that means nationally, if the top teams in the WAC are all losing to other WAC teams and no clear dominant team is rising to the top, it's going, to be interpreted, it's going to be interpreted as this is a league where marginal tournament teams are losing to non-tournament teams. And that is a bad look for the league, and that is what's happening to New Mexico State. NMSU has been the one thing in the whack that has consistently worked really over the last seven, eight-ish years. I talked about last week how they're kind of like the Green Bay Packers in that regard, in that... They're the one consistent and good team that dominates a league that doesn't really recruit at the same level, have the same level of consistent success, or regularly draw the same crowds. And now that they're losing, and because the WAC is a one-bid league, that means whoever does win the WAC and and makes the NCAA tournament, they're probably going to be a 15 seed, which means they'll have to play a two seed, which means their chances of advancing to the second round and receiving the payout from winning a tournament game are lower which means the conference as a whole receives less money 
because money received from the NCAA tournament is distributed to the conference members. I actually wrote about this in an article earlier this year, so I'm just going to read what I wrote. This is significant because the money conferences receive from the NCAA for sending a team to the NCAA tournament is distributed evenly among a conference's member schools. The NCAA distributes units to the various conferences based on how many teams it has qualified for the tournament and how many rounds the conference is represented in. More teams in the tournament means more money for each school. In layman's terms, black members are less likely to receive more NCAA tournament money simply because the overall conference is weaker or perceived as weaker on a national level, regardless of an individual team's success. And that's all I have to say about that. And so with that, I want to bring on one of the veterans on this year's team and a guy who has had very little experience losing since he's been an Aggie. Saturday is going to be his final home game at the Pan Am as this super senior is in his final year of NCAA eligibility. Clayton Henry, welcome to the show. How's it going? What's up? I'm good. All right. It's fantastic to have you on, man. So uh, you're about to play your last regular season game as an Aggie. And uh, you guys have clearly accomplished quite a bit since you've been here. And I know you're someone whose face and name is known in the Las Cruces community. Um, what kind of emotions are you expecting to feel uh, in your last game at the Pan Am? Uh, I'm so I'm uh, expecting to feel just a bunch of mixed emotions, you know, having to focus on the game, but also understanding that it's my last time being here, uh, playing on the floor and stuff, so. Uh, I really don't know what type of emotions it's, it's going to be just something that happens on the fly really. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of mixed emotions. Though. If you had to point to one moment, whether it's an individual moment, a moment with the team or something else, um, what would you say is your favorite moment as an Aggie? Man, of course, uh, I think one of my favorite moments would be, uh, making it to the NCAA my first year. Um, and just growing as, and, and another part is just growing while being sidelined with my team and seeing them uh, pro- progress uh, so fast uh, throughout that, not the last year, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's 2019. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was two of my favorite moments. Now, uh, you know, I, I feel like we kind of have to address the elephant in the room. Um, you guys clearly aren't used to losing, and um, you clearly aren't used to losing home games against conference opponents. Um, that was actually the first conference game that you guys have lost since you've been at NMSU. Um, could you just walk me through what you guys felt um, kind of after the game? Um, it just, of course, it don't feel good losing. I mean, we just felt like, we gave it our all, and like we need to come to together and start winning these last couple of games just to get to our ultimate goal. We we see it as yeah, we we want to win that, we want to get the the uh, conference win, but we also have big, uh, bigger goals than that. Even though that is one of our big goals, but we understand that there's still lots a lot to uh, a lot to win for still in front of us. Do you feel like you've been spoiled in a good way uh, by having so much success over your career? I'm curious what you think that says about the winning program and culture that has been created here, which you obviously have been a huge part of uh, being around the program for as long as you have been. Oh, yeah, I feel like I've been spoiled here for sure uh, with the winning. There's a lot of guys that can't say every season they damn near get, except for the COVID uh, season, that damn near gets 20 plus wins and 
you just kind of know it. Not really being cocky, but you just know, like, just by the culture, you're going to get some wins. And, yeah, I feel like we, I've been a little bit spoiled, and and I, I'm loving it, though. So, you know, even after your only back-to-back losses of the season, uh, you guys can still clinch the number one seed in the WAC tournament and win a share of the conference title Saturday against Utah Valley. Uh, So first, how cool is it that your last regular season game at NMSU is going to be for a WAC championship? And second, how much urgency are you guys operating with this week? Yeah, um, that's cool, yeah. Having that last game be something so valuable and like kind of like just a, a first round, basically like a first round game in the WAC tournament, but kind of if you look at it that way. And yeah, uh, we're taking we're, this game is like, yeah, we have to play with more urgency. And I feel like we're just coming together better and locking in for these this home stretch. And we want to have a good ending to our chapter and my chapter, especially. So we're doing everything in our power to just get together and get these, get these last couple of wins to make it to the NCAA. Yeah. So like you just said, um, you know, you think that this game is going to have, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, a whack tournament, um, yeah. game, game type feel to it. Um, are, are you expecting to feel like a different atmosphere? You know, maybe something a little bit, uh, something a little bit more intense, uh, whenever you guys get on the court. Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be, of course, it's going to be intense. I mean, all that games are coming, uh, feeling like, you know, we got to win it. So it's not going to be overwhelmingly, you know, over, like, people, I don't feel like, you know, too much nerves on us or power or anything like that. But we're definitely going to lock in and make make the vibe feel like it's a must win, like, a, like we should. And, yeah, I just feel like, it's going to have a different intensity to it. So uh, the seniors that are going to be honored on senior day are going to be you, Johnny, Donnie Tillman, and you out of luck. Um, I just want to know, as far as like your relationship with the actual seniors goes, um, do you feel like you connect maybe with the seniors a little bit more just because, uh, you know, there's an age thing and you guys have obviously like been through a lot more. Do, do you feel like you connect any differently? Oh no! I feel like I connect with everybody on the team. All my, all my teammates are outgoing guys, and we just—I mean, yeah. I mean, the guys that like Donnie, Ua, and it's Donnie, Ua, and then of course Johnny. Johnny been with me for the whole time since I've been here, so of course, like you know, we got more stories, we got you know more like championships together. So you know, we got that connection. But I feel like everybody I connect with at a high level. So it's not really—I wouldn't say it's one person. You know, these new guys are still, um, they're good guys and fun to talk to. So I, I wouldn't, I can't really pick one if I can say that. All right. So I'm kind of curious because you just mentioned it and these are my last, two, th- this is the first of my last two questions here. Uh, but uh, you said you've got a bunch of stories with Johnny McCants. I'm curious, uh, what's, uh, what, what's a good story we might like to hear? A good story, huh? Man. Good story. I don't know, man. Most of most of the stories I would say are just basketball wise, like like um coming out the tunnel for the um uh WAC tournament for my first year, two thousand eighteen. Um, just just those type of experiences. I can't really, you know, pinpoint one, but like all the, all that stuff we just I have a lot of 
just memories with Johnny. I can't really, I would have to, you know, <laughs> think a little bit, dig deep into my bag, but <laughs> just a lot of basketball stories. All right. So last question I've got for you here, but uh, what is next for Clayton Henry once the season ends? Man, um, I'm just hoping, you know, I could get like a job somewhere, uh, just somewhere. I'm not really pinpointing anywhere, but just somewhere, maybe overseas, maybe, you know, back to my hometown. I don't know. Does uh, looking for jobs, and I'm pretty sure something will come up. Is that uh, is that is that basketball related, or are you thinking more towards transitioning to you know just being in a just being a working job? Oh no, basketball related, basketball. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) basketball. Sorry. Basketball related, just you know, just looking at options and stuff. All right, well, Clayton, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much for thank you so much for coming on, and as always, best of luck to you on Saturday. Thank you. Okay, folks, we're winding down the final regular season episode of the Aggie Wagon podcast, which feels really hard to believe. But it's time for one final way out Wagner prediction, and this is a little bit of a tricky one. Utah Valley won the team's last meeting in Utah 72-68 as Fardaw's AMAC and Teddy Allen, two front runners for the WAC Player of the Year award, went back and forth for most of the game, but the Aggies' comeback effort ultimately fell a little bit short. The team trailed by more than three possessions for the overwhelming majority of the second half and made a late push to give themselves a chance in the final seconds, but as I said, they came up just short. There will obviously also be a whack title on the line. So like Clayton Henry said, there's going to be a lot to play for as NMSU looks to snap a two-game skid and clinch the top seed in the WAC tournament and a share of that title. But after the last two games, I do worry a little bit that NMSU's confidence has been shaken. The loss to Chicago State was the biggest upset in the WAC this year, and losing their first conference home game since Chris Jans has been the head coach certainly doesn't do that any favors either. But... I do think NMSU finds a way to squeak out a win and lock up the top seed in the conference tournament, and I'm going to say they'll do it 72-66. to Folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 16 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoy the podcast. You can follow the Las Cruces Sun News' NMSU basketball coverage on our website. And you can follow me on Twitter at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trails.